på DM. Ready? Hello and welcome to Rhythm and Pixels, a video game music podcast. This is episode 29-3 of our show. And we are your hosts. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Pernil. Every week we bring to you the best in video game music. All consoles, all generations, the best in video game music talk. The best in your video game music hosts. Don't don't put that onus on us. We we bring you the the most adequate... Video game music that you could like and you could dislike, but Stick we hope around. you like it. Stick around. I think you're. I hope you're gonna like it. <laughs> <laughs> we, oh my god, we, I, we 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 choose good music. We choose some good stuff. Uh, but yeah, all consoles, all generations. We'll pick a topic and we'll get into it. Uh, this week is a spe- like we talked about before. We're breaking out of the mold of our summer of 16-bit to have a special composer interview, and it actually is a good one too. So. We ended up meeting a guy named Adam Flixton, awesome Jude, and um, essentially he released an album recently in regards that ties into Super Metroid. It's one of his favorite games, mm-hmm. so he decided to release an album that covers tracks from the game in his style. But was there a caveat to like a specific way he did it? Yeah. Well, one, he wanted to do it all on Twitch so that um, he could show the creative process and do it with other people because it was, he was feeling really isolated. Like a lot of us were, um, the beginning of 2020 or early 2020 anyway. And also he wanted to do all of it using free software. So it was all on the computer and it was all using free software so that he could almost as, and as an educational tool to show you can make music without breaking the bank. And honestly, as a person who has listened to this album, I think mission accomplished. It's really good. It's really, really good. So we'll have links to that on the website and in the podcast notes. You can check that out. His name is Adam Fligston. Um, Who you will hear shortly. You will hear shortly. But um, but right now, we're going to talk about uh, Purnell playing Axiom Verge. Dude. Well, start. No, 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 no. Don't put that onus on me. <laughs> no, 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 I started Axiom Verge because, uh, so it's interesting. So, like, I've been kind of like in this bit of like a social <laughs> rut. Mm-hmm. where I haven't been talking to many people or interacting much. I've just been working and exercising and doing the shows. That's been my shtick. And it's been like that for like two weeks now. And yet, I'm slowly trying to eke out of that because time passes. I gotta, gotta keep talking to people. And what's one of my favorite ways to connect? Well, video games, obviously. And uh, there was a recent Nintendo Direct that came through Indie Direct, mm-hmm. and they announced on a slide that Axiom Verge 2 is was still dropping that day, which reminded me, well, I played Axiom Verge 1. I just I bought it <laughs> twice. I bought it twice, and I'm probably going to buy it three times when the freaking limited run game comes out, but maybe not because I'm if I buy Axiom Verge 2 digitally, I'm not going to bother buying physical because I'm done with that. I'm looking my forward. I'm, lo- I'm really I'm really hoping you get through it, and I'm looking forward to your experience with it because I really had fun playing that one. So far, I'm digging yeah. the I'm digging the environments mm. and the atmosphere. It's very Metroid 1-like. Yes. Like, I got to clarify Metroid 1 because <laughs> there's only one Metroid 1 as yeah. far as visuals, and that one nails it. Yeah. Um, and I am looking forward to seeing more of this game and what it's got to offer. But yeah. uh, I'm playing that. And uh, I went back to Labyrinth of Refrain. And in addition to that, I'm having this weird moment where I probably even mentioned this something like this on the show in the past, but I feel like it's really hitting me now. 
in that I look through my game libraries. I'll see lists on the internet where it's like the best 12 best RPGs you haven't played yet or the new Metroidvanias and blah, blah, blah. And I start to realize, one, I own most of them. Right. And two, <laughs> I may have played three out of the 12. Oh. And you might be thinking like, well, what makes you some kind of a poser or something? But I was like, oh, no, quite the contrary. I've, I've played a lot of games. The problem is, even having played a lot of games, there are just too many. There's a lot. Too many. And I'm hitting that weird moment where I'm like, is this the time where I got to start thinking less about what new games to get and think more about yeah. what games to play through? Maybe this is the time. Like you finally see like the greatest ten movies of of, our, of the last of the last century, and you're like, I should watch these movies. And you're thinking, wow, I should finally play some of these games. And I think it's a great opportunity. It should be it should be an inspiration and not more of an insult. You know what I mean? Like you shouldn't feel like, oh darn, I bought these things and never played them. You should think, oh darn, I'm so glad I have these now. Mm-hmm. They're they're available to me. And I will say, like, I still feel like I wouldn't. I'm not going to stop the reviews, at least not for now. But I think it still bears to be said that, or stands to be said that. If the reviews are the thing I do just to kind of have like that general dialogue to say, here's this new game that came mm-hmm. out that I got to play. Here's what I think of it. It's another thing to say, here's this new game I played that I reviewed and got to play. But then I also bought these two other <laughs> new games that I'll never play. Well, maybe you can slow down the review train because it sounds like on the SML podcast that you're on, um, you talk about a lot of other stuff and you can just be that guy. Honestly... If I became that guy, I don't think anybody <laughs> would be upset. I'm, I'm, I'm King Tangent on this you show. You start, start your own show, and it's just called Tangent Town with Purnell. <laughs> <laughs> we spring on the episode, start the episode of Name a Vegetable and like Zucchini, and then the episode becomes ends up being about why we should use nuclear power or should we use like solar <laughs> exactly power. Right, yeah. Like, how did you get there? Well, because we started with Zucchini, obviously. Duh. You have like you have like the topic on the on the podcast title, and you're like, well, that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> we where do we end up? Is the real question. I, I listened back on the beginning of our last episode after I edited it and, and um, I was listening in the car and I'm like, wow, we talked about deep dish pizza for a while and we're not going to start again. Well, I will say this though. No, 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 no. <laughs> just not the, not the topic, but I do like that uh, after doing so, our listener and friend Tim heard the episode and reached out and was like, dude, you guys, you guys really need to do an episode about food. Like you need to do an episode about food. Now, I know we did the food fight episode yeah, some years yeah, ago, that's right, yeah. but <laughs> that I know fun. I was saying to him, I was like, I feel like we were talking about an idea of like dishes that would go well with games at one point. Oh, ages ago, ages ago, I started, a, I wanted to start a blog of um, f- uh, wine pairings with video games. <laughs> and we were going to have Chris Murray on for that. Yeah. No, this is before the show. Really? I think so. Yeah. But then I realized I, even then. I didn't play enough video games. <laughs> I drank more wine than video games. <laughs> you could be like, okay, the episode would have just been like I've you drinking the wine. I'm yeah. like, I, I'm gonna sit in a chair sober as a bat. Describe the wine, and you'd be like, well, it's kind of a best well, It's like, it's it's like, what were you playing? I'm playing Street Fighter. I'm like, what are you playing for the next like eight years? Street Fighter, just, just some version of that game. But that's why you'd be the drinker, and I'd be the recommender based on how you describe See, the that, drink. That's why the game I'm obsessed with has to be aerobic. <laughs> work off, work otherwise, off otherwise, I'll be so unhealthy. Um, it has to be it has to be healthy. Well, I don't know. They say one glass of wine a day is healthy, so it just has to be who? every day. You have to drink one unique glass of wine. You know, who, you know who says that? The people who. <laughs> the, <laughs> hey, there was that doctor, that one guy. Yeah, he works for big. He works for Big Vineyard. <laughs> <laughs> big. big. <laughs> but it, some doctors said uh, it. 
He or, quiet goes home and then just like rips off his ribs like finally I'm filled with that. I could be who I am. He just <laughs> sits in a, a bathtub and pours wine all over himself. <laughs> <laughs> so they say my a, own a, grapey a, juices. A bath of wine a day is good for you. <laughs> um, all right, that's off. Like that, that, we're off on a little something here. All right, so you um, a tangent. <laughs> yeah, that was a tangent. All right, so I'm um, holding off like in, in the meeting room right now and holding for us on the Zoom call is Adam Flinkston. Um, he is a, a composer who's been in the industry for a long time, and he is very excited about games and talking about games. And we're going to talk about them games. And we're going to talk about them games. And some music. <laughs> Drink if you hear arpeggio. So here we go. Here's Adam Flickston. Why not? Uh, uh, I, I, I really like your podcast. I don't know. I should save this for on the air when we're recording, but I, I really do like your podcast. Hey, nope. it's one Why not say it twice? If anything, I yeah. was just I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> save it. I'll say it as many times as because as, it's the truth. Oh, that's, uh, thank you. I, I, I never want to be like, if you listen to our show, you haven't listened to our show. You shouldn't you shouldn't come on as guest or blah blah blah. I'm not, I, yeah. I, I, I don't want to be like that. So it's it's nice to hear that. I think that uh, it's just a it's a pleasure to listen to. So I, I really do like oh, your great. broadcast a Thank lot. That's yeah. that very appreciated to hear. Cause <laughs> you know how it goes. Like sometimes you'll be like you'll be doing a thing and I'm like, but you don't know how people are actually taking it. You're just like you just know you create a baby and you mm-hmm. put it out there. You're like, I sure hope that baby's not getting in the wrong bathwater. I hope everybody's having <laughs> yeah. a good time with it. Yeah, you're 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 a musician. You're you create things. You know what that's like, right? Um, uh, yes, creating something I do. and then and then putting it out there, and suddenly it's not quite yours anymore, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, uh, that's the whole world, and you just kind of have to stew in it and hope that uh, someone is out there on the other end that's going to connect to to what you're doing. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And. In and of itself, like that's also a large part of why when people like when people always ask questions about, you know, what do I need to do or what do I need to know to try to produce or create a thing, the most important thing is that you have to love what you do for that exact reason. Because if you're looking for accolades and for appreciation, you might not get it. And it's not because the work wasn't quality, it's just because you just don't know who's getting it if the people getting it are the people that would resonate with it yeah. it's just That's too many right. variables so in the end you're just it like takes t- it takes yeah it, it takes time to find the audience too because it's not going to connect to everybody you know you're your grandma is not going to understand what you're doing and that's okay, you know, but, <laughs> but someone out, out there somewhere probably will and probably will, will really respond to and it. And if your grandma yeah. does connect to it, that's not your grandma. That's a machine. You gotta love what you're doing. Um, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm seeing the, the gear behind you. Very impressed. Oh yeah. Is that a, oh, yeah. um, is that a, is that a Moog? Um, on the on the top rack behind you there, that one right there. So that is a Polyvox. It's ah. a it's Soviet synthesizer. Oh no, actually the top one is is an Alita. The one below it is a Polyvox. Ah. They're both Soviet synthesizers. I got them to. I was working on this indie game that unfortunately never came out, oh. but it was kind of my baby for a while, and uh, it was set in this Soviet spacecraft. It was a sci-fi, I looked that spacey up. game. Yeah, yeah. Outreach. 
Outreach, yeah. And it was a really, it, it, it had a lot of steam behind it, but at a certain point, because of some business stuff, uh, basically it got shelved. Um, oh, but yeah. And uh, I was able to release the music kind of under a different name. So I put out an album. It's called, I don't know, what, I forget what it's called. <laughs> and uh, it's a Soviet, like a translated Soviet name. Uh, but you can go on my website and you can see it. I, I should pull it up. It's called We Will Open the Distant Worlds. Uh, and so you can hear the music. It's all created on those two synthesizers. Oh, that's cool. Um, I, I love mm -hmm. that. That you. Um, where did you find those synthesizers then? Because it's, it's, uh, it's not eBay. like you wanted something authentic. Oh, eBay, yeah. of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. eBay, yeah. It's where magic I, happens. Yeah, that's right. And it came over from uh, the Ukraine, and uh, you know, and shipping was stressful. And then when it first when it first arrived, the power here in the u.s is different than uh the power over there so it basically sounded half powered and i was like i just spent a bunch of money and it's broken but basically i learned the hard way that i had to treat the power to get it to be the right voltage and then it sounds oh great so yeah actually one thing i'm curious about because I, I was listening to a lot of the music over the last like two days or so which mm -hmm. is how i knew about outreach um mm -hmm. but I'm trying to remember. So the Distant Worlds album, that's on your site. Mm -hmm. There was another album that I came across. I can't remember where it was at. It was on another website, though. Probably the mm -hmm. one that like Rob maybe linked me to. But mm -hmm. um, there was like a vocal track that you had on there, too. Mm -hmm. That was legitimately awesome. And I didn't even was expect it. <laughs> Was it in was it in another language? Was it in Russian? Yes. Did you remember? Yeah, yeah. So that was that's from that album. Uh, and so I wrote. Uh, it was supposed to be on a cassette that like the player would find floating yeah. in the spacecraft, and it was we, we were going to age it to make it sound like it was coming from cool. a cassette. And basically, the lyrics are about feeling distant and feeling like away from your lover essentially which you know fat fit with being in a spacecraft kind of a thing so i wrote the lyrics then we translated them and we got someone to sing them and uh yeah thanks thanks i like that one too uh what is the name of that the, the song is called so far away for for people who are curious to hear it um yeah now, like, as far as this goes, so you made this quality OST for a game that unfortunately didn't come to light. Um, did yep. you did you take that and have a feeling of thinking it might be something you want to do to try to, like, find another indie studio to pitch your, your efforts on to? Maybe come up with another OST or even use some of those tracks again? Yeah. Was it yeah, so specific? I mean, yeah. it, it's so specific that there wasn't really going to be... I just decided to put it out there. You know, I was proud of the music. I'm still proud of the music. Uh, it it wasn't gonna find its way into another game. There might have been even weird legal stuff in terms of putting it into another game, which I didn't even want to get into. But I was able to put it out and to have people hopefully enjoy the music, and people seem to like it. But it's different. I'll be honest with you. When it's not connected to the emotional experience, the music just sort of in a vacuum. It just inevitably sort of doesn't have the same storytelling resonance in people that it would have if they were able to play the game. It, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. Like, I yeah. feel like that happens with a lot of uh, narrative-driven like OSTs, too. Yeah. Like, where if you're not... Like, if you're playing a game and there's a cinema sequence playing out and there's a music in the background, you get used to this tense track playing during tense scenes in your game. But without the tense scene, you just mm -hmm. have nice audio. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, exactly. we've been, we've been yeah. finding that on, on the podcast over the years. That like this year we're doing all like 16-bit games, right? So everything mm-hmm. is from the 90s, and so much of the feeling and the story and uh, the emotion is coming through the music, right? And it's really mm-hmm. musically driven to, to get mm-hmm. that going. So you have these really heavy themes in that. And then, yeah. but, um, but modern games like the like the it's almost like a um, like a synthesis between the story, the gameplay, and the music. They they, they, they like they're almost always going to fit together in some way, even if the mm-hmm. music is still like really thematical. Like I think about um, a Celeste, like mm-hmm. the music is super thematical, but the mm-hmm. music and the story are very very closely put together. Where if you, you can listen to that music outside of its context, mm-hmm. but given mm-hmm. the context, it's so much more. Oh yeah, it's so much yeah. more. Absolutely, and it just. Um, it's the story that it elevates. It elevates the whole thing. You know, it's it's one of the reasons why. What's well, one of the reasons why music videos? I think were a medium. It's like connecting something beyond just the audio itself. It just it just you understand so much more and so much deeper. And that's why I, I love video games. I mean, that's why I'm attracted to this medium. Is because just releasing albums, MP3s, or records, it's not enough. I, I want to connect with people on a it's story level and uh video games allow you to do that so out of curiosity then so what would you say are some of the games where either the gameplay the music or the total package really grabbed you it may as well be me saying what are your favorite games but Mm -hmm. more with that level of context to it um well so the last of us the first one that was a really profound game for me uh and it really grabbed me i mean you know it's a deep story the story is amazing but the music they made such a they they really stuck their neck out hiring gustavo and and the 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 score that he turned in it was so counterintuitive from what you would expect of a triple a game it was very small and personal and solo guitar driven Mm -hmm. and up until that you know you would have expected it to sound more like call of duty or something Mm -hmm. big big zombie action blah 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 so to me both the game itself but also the the soundtrack itself just were such a profound experience for me and really kind of reformed my understanding of what is possible in video game uh, music yeah, um, so seen- yeah the last of us is a big one seen a lot of, of your your credits in like film and, and television but it sounds like what mm-hmm. you what you're really excited about also is is games right oh yeah uh yeah right now this is i've i've put any film and tv goals on a shelf because games are, are everything to me right now and i mean probably for the rest of my well, life then this, but, this uh, is a good yeah. opportunity to talk about your 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 project then uh is it, you would mm-hmm. call it sealand or silent silent yeah silent um, yeah, so the tea recently, is <laughs> yeah, the, the, the tea is silent. Exactly. Um, yeah. So along with some other really talented, uh, sound designers and musicians, I started silent and it's a, it's a small game audio studio. So basically we contract out our services to medium and small, uh, developers who need either music or sound design or implementation, which is like the programming mm-hmm. that 
puts it all in there and uh and and that's pretty much what we do and we've you know it's a it was a quarantine driven project and so far it's uh it's been really positive and we've been doing we've we have a number of projects almost none of them i can talk about um <laughs> but but we have a, no, a number of projects that we're working on it's it's been really exciting uh, you know you process. hit a good spot where you get a bunch of ndas on your shelf like, <laughs> hey, hey look at yeah. that can't look at that <laughs> yeah exactly so, so hopefully soon hopefully yeah, soon yeah, will super be busy some... super busy can't talk about mm-hmm. any of it but uh, trust uh-huh. me very busy yeah, <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. um yeah i mean we're, we're doing a lot of indie games we're doing some mobile games and uh we're trying to go bigger there's some trip double a not triple a double a kind of stuff that we're yeah. that we're working on would, but, would you uh, say that the uh, the pandemic and the, and the quarantine has maybe shifted your perspective at all on what's important to you I yeah, like that's been a theme sh- with a lot of people. For sure, it it definitely pushed a reset button in a in a, a initially kind of terrifying kind of way. Like, oh, cr- I mean, I think everybody oh, has yeah. this, but uh, and it just kind of reminded me what is important, and if I'm going to be spending my time and effort stressing over something, what do I want that to be? And ultimately, it kept coming down to video games, storytelling. Kind of, I like creativity i like art and uh video games are just some of the most exciting avenues for art that i can see right now uh in the world so yeah and i gotta say hearing that to be the case for you is actually and i'm hoping it falls this way for listeners as well but it's actually a very uplifting thing to hear because you hear a lot of talk about you know covid what it meant to different people and depending on who you talk to, a lot of the narrative tends to boil down to like, you know, people just don't want to do. They just want to, people just sit down and do nothing. Or you'll be told, this is a good opportunity to just do nothing because there's nothing else you can do. But <laughs> there are stories like yours where the person says, you know, I can do more. And this opportunity where the world decided to kind of stop is my opportunity to get started. And <laughs> you took that, ran with it, and the proof's in the pudding. You got a shelf full of NDAs over there. <laughs> and I'm looking forward to when they get revealed and we get to learn what you're working on. Because uh, as a guy who's obsessed sure. with indie games and plays more than uh-huh. he has any business playing, I'll uh-huh. be looking. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, hopefully there will be some exciting announcements uh, uh, real soon. Yeah, we're, we're excited about them. You're yeah. interested in games, working in games, working in art in this way. Mm-hmm. How long have you been playing games? And what were some of the games that have really got you interested in, 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 in music? So uh, the SNES, I mean, it was probably the first system that I uh, grew up with. And then maybe N64 after that, but and PlayStation 1. Uh, but SNES was really where it all started. So, uh, so you know... Uh, uh, what was it called? Link to the Past, the, the Zelda for SNES, the yeah. Mario for that, Super Metroid, of course, which we can talk about my love of that a little, maybe a little later. Uh, Chrono Trigger, you know, oh, these yeah. were like form- formative things for me. Which, and by the they way, still to this day. Uh-huh. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, either today or yesterday is the anniversary of the release of Chrono Trigger. What? 
Oh wow! Yeah, the timing is just wow. Delicious. It's been fifty-eight years. Per <laughs> <laughs> hey, I don't, I'm not that old. Come on, give me some. I, yeah, I mean, and talk about a soundtrack that still to this day, I might put it up there as maybe the best of the SNES era. I have to uh, Hell, it, right? it was it, just the SNES. It's like that is top, that's an upper echelon, and it had the mm-hmm. pedigree to back it. Yeah, every once in a while, I forget. Like I know, I know I've listened to it. I know I've loved it, but then I just don't listen to it for a while, and then suddenly I mm-hmm. listen to a few songs, and I go, "Oh my god, yeah, like, that's good." That's yeah, really I, I, I spent a lot of time uh, the past year learning about the SNES chip and kind of how mm-hmm. it works because I was doing this this Metroid thing, and. Um, uh, it basically, it works. They they have these tiny, tiny little slices. I mean, they're they're samples, but they are because of the the limitations of the of the hardware. They're as tiny as you can possibly make it. So, uh, so like to record a violin or something, it would be literally as small of a chunk of a violin sound that you could possibly have. So, and and that's why it kind of sounds that kind of wobbly kind of way that that we all recognize as SNES ish. But to be able to take those limitations and just write such amazing music that sounds big and orchestral and the melodies are so good and the arrangements are so good i don't know it's a it's a monumental achievement well there's there's some like when i talk sometimes i think about the super i grew up with the genesis like i love fm synthesis like i love that harsh sound to death so when Mm -hmm. i think about the super nintendo growing up i always thought it was out of tune and it wasn't until Mm -hmm. later that i realized like they were sampling like a C sharp, right? And then they were pitching it to like wherever they needed to be, and it was never going to sound quite right. Um, yeah. So hey, I always hey, thought that was super interesting. Hey, you. But, but, but those are but still. I think there's a. Yeah, right, but, but I think but there's it, a charm. There is a charm to to that. To that. Like, cause yeah. I always always have those yeah. arguments with people where the argument became like, what what console has the better OST? Mm-hmm. Primarily with games that got released on both systems, mind you. And mm-hmm. I mean, it really did just come down to like what your ear was for, because I was the guy fighting for SNES, mm-hmm. and I had my other friends fighting for the Genesis version. But I no. feel like across any of those consoles, the thing that really stood out the most for me was the fact, and I realized it more as I got older, is that even though I love my you know, current-gen OSTs and the like, there was something extra special about people taking something that was so limited and creating something so grand with yeah. it. Because when you have all the doors blown open for you, <laughs> yeah, you can produce some masterpieces, but it's almost like playing on, like, I don't know, like, uh, like, it's like safe mode versus like you know impossible mode. Calling the Genesis playing it safe. Yeah, may, maybe well, I am. As an aside, <laughs> there there are some games where they actually multi sampled some instruments. And uh, digging into a front mission that Yoko Shimomura did, she actually multi sampled a bunch of pianos so that she could play perfectly these like jazz tunes. Mm-hmm. And it's incredible. But um, thinking about how the Super Nintendo. Um, plays back the audio with tiny little snippets of, of, of sound. I used to do like mod tracking back when I was like in high school, like on like the Amigas uh-huh. and the PCs. And it was all mm-hmm. the same idea where you're taking like super small samples because it can fit on a floppy disk. Mm-hmm. And you're like, let's pitch them around. Let's, let's sequence them in certain ways. And it felt really familiar to me. On your website, it talked about your kind of history and maybe like the early electronic scene in New York. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I feel like there might be something there, but I, you know, 
were you under yeah. a pseudonym or maybe you were just like you were yeah. learning at that time? I, I, w- I was under a pseudonym that I usually don't talk to. <laughs> but uh, if you, you know, you, you get a couple beers in me and maybe I'll tell you. Um, Damn, we should have started this but, earlier. <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, yeah, yeah, it was electronic and it was hip hop music. And cool. uh, specifically, I was using an Akai MPC 2000 XL okay. for the nerds out there. And uh, so it's a, it was very advanced for the time but uh, limited in hindsight. Yeah. And we had to do so many tricks to, uh, you would speed up the record to 45 so yeah. that it would be a shorter amount of sound and then you'd slow it down to get the right thing. And we did so many things to, to tweak the system in order to get what you needed out of it. And we were originally using floppy disks, 3.5, but then we I switched over to uh, zip drive. I got it installed. Yeah, So, and I was working at a uh, record label in New York. It was an independent hip-hop record label in New York. That's kind of my my introduction to all professional music was, was really there. Hmm. Um, yeah. Actually, hearing that, I feel like I need to clarify or correct myself on something. I don't want, definitely, most especially you, I don't want you to think that when I made that distinction earlier that I was like saying, you know, it's not hard to produce, you know, later, like, you know, music and like oh, modern oh, music. Oh, no, you're good. Oh, like, no, I was no, concerned no. about that. <laughs> it's like, I, well, I like, think, yeah, I, I think you're just saying that the limitations, uh, are so impressive and and to create such art mm-hmm. with such limitations i think it's even more monumental and and, and amazing yeah well, exactly I mean, that's, that's what i understood the limitations yeah. can drive mm-hmm. that kind of creativity too like you said in an um, early hip-hop scene in, in new york right so mm-hmm. um, i had a thread here let's talk about that <laughs> Darn it! Sorry, Rob. I heard my dog running around. I'm like, what is going on outside? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so the... Um, oh, all right. So some of the tracks that you produced last year, and we're going to dig into mm-hmm. that now, with um, with your Metroid kind of lo-fi, like kind of hip-hop mm-hmm. uh, album that you did. Mm-hmm. It definitely had a mm-hmm. West Coast vibe to it, right? That thing was a banger. Yes. But coming yeah, from a New York-style hip-hop scene... I was like, uh-huh. come on, where's the where's the boom bap, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I, I live in LA, uh, and I've been living in LA for over over ten years. So I moved from New York to LA. Uh, uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm just infected by uh, <laughs> by what by what's around, by what's on the radio here. Yeah. Um, I've always liked I like West Coast and G Funk, and for sure, it was inspired by all that. No question about yeah, it. I didn't really set out set out for that, but it was kind of like the Metroid. You know, Metroid has these weird arpeggios, synth kind of, you know, solo wave things. And I would just be kind of doing them and they immediately, they just, something in my brain clicked. And I was like, okay, well, let me just add this bass line. And then boom, that's kind of what happened yeah. with that album. Yeah. And I can say like, I listened, I, I see I did listen to this album. This was something I actually was listening to at work today. I was like, this was my oh. melody music for the for my work day today. And I got to oh, say, cool. I feel like the... The destruction of the space colony track was the one that clicked mm-hmm. with me the most. Like I gave it like a good like three listens. Like I'm asking, mm-hmm. hey, goodness. Like yeah. that, and of course that, the second one being the Meridia area because I already uh-huh. liked Meridia in the original game. So you just took oh, it, yeah. and made it more awesome. So <laughs> yeah, well, tell yeah. us more about the album because it it looks like mm-hmm. you were uh, recording it live on Twitch, which mm-hmm. sounds terrifying, mm-hmm. by the way. And but yeah. um, this is also around the same time you were putting together your your studio. Yeah, yes, exactly. It was. Um, and this is, uh, you know, this is when 
pre-vaccine, you know, we were all really indoors. I hadn't talked to anybody in a long time. I was really trying to find a way of connecting with people out there in the world. And Twitch seemed like a good avenue. Uh, doing it all live seemed like an interesting challenge, kind of scary, because and also kind of boring at times. I'll admit, because you're you're tweaking a hi hat or something, and and I don't know, I don't know if that's interesting to other people, but it's not the most gripping entertainment. Uh, but um, and then the my other rule was I would only use free software for it, so I didn't use anything that cost money because I wanted it to be kind of like a teaching thing like i could teach people how to make music if they were watching it and and the last thing i would ever want is for them to uh see me use some really expensive sample library and then feel like oh i could never do that because i can't afford that yeah. so uh yeah so so i mean limitations it's what like what we were talking about earlier i was right. purposefully creating limitations for myself had to use this software had to do it live on Twitch, had to do a tribute on Super Metroid. That's it. Th those are my only limitations. And then basically that the album came out of that. Um, yeah. So during during the recording of that and during the, the building of that, how all, like did, how often did you go back to reference the original tracks? Did you reference maybe, did you look up like the original sound files and kind of pick them apart? How did, how did yeah. what was that process like? I was able to get a game rep uh, uh, from the internet. And then, um, so I was constantly kind of going back and forth. There were many moments where, and this happens with all music where I started kind of mirroring the song, but mm. then it went into a much different direction. I had to kind of, Pull sure, myself sure. back a little bit be like hold on hold on what were they doing there let's do a little more of that and a little less of what you were doing um so yeah i was kind of going back and forth trying to not copy it but trying to be inspired by it and hopefully people would recognize melodies and and moments uh, throughout it as well so uh, yeah, it was it was fun uh, so i take it that the reason why you chose Metroid as your go-to item here, or Super Metroid rather, was because mm -hmm. it is, like you mentioned earlier, one of your favorite games. Um, yeah. As a genre, are there any other games like Metroid that have come out over the last few years? Because that's become a really hyped-up thing mm -hmm. these year, past few years. Explorative that, platformers. Yeah. Exploration action, yeah. Metroid <laughs> beta, there's all kinds of names at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you, are there any that stuck out to you as being like, man, I'm really glad I got to play this, or I hope more people play this? So the the Ori series was really great. Uh, Ori in the Will of or Ori in the Blind Forest is the first one. That's a really great one, and the, the soundtrack is really amazing with that one. Yeah, really. Um, but I would say the one that really stands out is Hollow Knight. That's that's the one that I felt like, oh, they, and not to put anything else down, but uh, they just nailed it. They just oh, yeah. feels feels right it sounds right the dialogue is right the amount of challenge the amount like the the enemy the small enemies and the big ones are all perfectly balanced it just they just nailed it i love that game and uh, i like that Knight. you name those yeah. because there's a running joke on like another show i do where i haven't played through ori in the blind forest yet and every time we oh talk, God. it's like, how have you not played Ori? I'm like, well, I was into it, and then you told me I had to play it, so I got to find it. I don't know what to say. <laughs> well, like, I really uh, yeah. need to knock that one out. It's a great one. It, yeah, and you, I think you'll you'll enjoy it. If you like this, quote-unquote, Metroidvania style, I, I think you're going to really enjoy it. Really enjoy it. In that case, um, I, I think I will be my, that will be my next project. I'm going to push for it. <laughs>
also, since I put out the album, I've been replaying all of the 2D Metroid games that I can get oh, my hands on. Nice. So I played all the ones for Game Boy Advanced, uh, 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 Super Metroid, of course, and uh, there's another one called AM2R, which is kind of a fan-made remake. Yeah, yeah, that one's yeah. great. Uh, yeah, and uh, I they're uh, I love I just it's 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 no surprise to me why I'm so drawn why I, as a kid I just loved it because it's still they they light up the same parts of my brain that I, I remembered when I was a kid I just love these games. Yeah, That's, Metroid uh, created like an atmosphere, right? Like even like on the original NES, um, it was Hirokazu Tanaka was like I'm going to create atmospheric out of like these these little pulse wave channels, right? And, and nothing else was really like that at the time. And I think it, especially for younger people. You, it, it 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 really triggers a lot of imagination. It was honestly yeah. the entire package too, because the music was established for the different areas that you went to, and mm-hmm. you would spend a lot of time in those areas because in those early map designs, I'll be blunt, there was some "what the mm-hmm. hell are you guys doing?" elements there where they just like had quarters that led to nowhere. <laughs> you mm-hmm. just wandered, lost. Um, mm-hmm. So the music had to be something that would not get old or drab as you got lost for two hours. Um, and then, of course, every time he came across that energy tank, that dopamine hit that came from finding yeah. a missile missile container or a new gun. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. finally got the wave beam. This is the best gun ever. You know, mm-hmm. it, it scratched itches that until everyone started following the lead with the Metroidvania genre being established... Yeah, yeah. Metroid mm-hmm. was the only way to get that fix. Like no one else was delivering that yeah. up through Super Metroid. Even there was no one that had done that during that window of time. Yeah, I mean that sense of place, that sense of atmosphere that they established, even in the first one, even the NES one. Um, you know, I would say that that's the first atmospheric video game soundtrack. Period. Uh, mm-hmm. That I that I know. Maybe your listeners will correct me on something, but but because the the limitations of a square wave and a triangle wave which is basically all they had are are such that you you basically can't do this kind of slow chords that we usually uh do with atmospheric type stuff you just can't do that because it'll just be a big a big hit of sound kind of yeah. t- taking over your ears so uh you know he he got around that by kind of arpeggiating and kind of having like these fake delays kind of like do 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 and that was a crew way of like with the limitations kind of creating the sense of space where everybody else was kind of and i love the other soundtracks but they were arpeggiating they were kind of filling the space up with lots of movement this was kind of like the absence of that uh and uh, and, and from a game perspective as well yeah and i can say um, like did you have- i'm not like i have like memory wise for the ost for the original metroid i can stay and i think they even mm-hmm. carried this track through sequels too just they kind of tweaked it here and there but uh, the tr- it was a track that would play when you came across an area that likely had a major item in it. Like, it wasn't just the room that had it. It would be a space <laughs> that you knew somewhere inside of it was either a gun or a heart- or energy tank, but generally a gun or a power-up for Sam. is like a various suit. So it felt extra special when you would shoot that door open, you walk in, the music would change to that style. Like, oh, my God, something's <laughs> here. Yeah, something's, something's out there. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh huh. Yeah, it's really a dialogue that the music is 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 important, vital storytelling device in in those moments for sure. Are are, are these some of the, are are the lessons learned from these something that uh, you think about today? Absolutely. Um, setting this sense of atmosphere and setting the sense of place in in the game 
uh, to me is one is maybe the primary goal. You know, I, I yes, I love melodies and I love writing great songs that people can enjoy on its on their own. But to me, it's really like making that place and making it feel alive and making it feel just like it all just clicks together. It all just makes sense. Um, and then uh, also just the limitations. You know, you think about like where we are right now in 2021. In 10 years, there's going to be some audio limitations that will not be here. We don't even probably recognize some of them. So, so one of the things I'm always thinking about is what are the limitations and how can we find the future uh, early uh, uh, before we, you know, push things forward in the way that just like they were doing in the in the mid '80s uh, with that Metroid soundtrack. Oh See, I like the sound of that too. Like the idea, basically, like, mm-hmm. how do we? How do we basically like produce music that is before its time? Before its time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Push, push it, push it, the needle forward. You know, that's the push the language of, of music forward is really the, the goal in a lot of ways, I think. So yeah. you love the, you've been playing through the Metroid games. Would you say maybe mm-hmm. working on that style of a game might be like your, your like a goal of yours? Or, or is there a style of game or a story that you, want to tell that that's kind of on your on your list yeah i mean you can see i'm surrounded by synths um i i love i love uh uh uh, orchestral music and i love rock music and other types of stuff and but uh on some level i'm always gonna be comfortable with synths and i'm always gonna love this kind of sci-fi mystery slow moving you know, creepy type stuff. I just, I, I don't know. Something about my brain, it just connects with that, with that type of storytelling for hey. sure. So, yeah, I mean, I would, I would be ecstatic to work on a Metroid game or a similar type game. Get this guy uh, in on the next course. Dead yeah. Space. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be awesome. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. That Which, would by the way, have you ever yeah. played Dead Space like the older ones? Uh, I played one of them. I think I played. Three. I don't think I played uh, the older ones. No. I would definitely say if you're okay with horror and you like the idea of like creepy atmospheric uh-huh. space, you need to play the first Dead Space. That one nailed it better than either okay. of the sequels did. And it, oh, they did such a good job with that music. Like when you got into a space and things got freaky, the music told you. <laughs> and you acted accordingly too based <laughs> on some, that. Some inspiration homework for you. <laughs> Because that would just be awesome. Yeah, like, hey, yeah. I'm looking at the crest. Like, wait, I'm, I know that guy. He wrote this OST. Holy crap. For the nerds listening to the show, what, what are some of your favorite synths? What, what are some of the synths that you love to play and love to play around with? So I use both hardware synths and I use a lot of software synth as well. Um, there's a brand new one that just came out about six months ago. It's called Vital, V-I-T-A-L, yeah. and it's totally free. Yeah, yeah. So uh, for anybody out there who makes music on a computer, download it right now. Uh, it's my favorite synth right now, and, and I haven't paid a dime. I mean, maybe I should tip the guy on Patreon or something, but... Uh, it's a great synth. Um, 
Outside of that, I've got this synth right here called uh, OBX. So it's an Oberheim OBX, OB6, I'm sorry, OB6. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a polyphonic analog synthesizer. I love it. It's 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 got that specific kind of gritty kind of kind of little things are a little off. Uh, you know, it's not all pristine kind of quality that I really look for in analog synths. I'm actually developing an analog synth that has all of these uh, uh, capabilities, but uh, that, that'll be for a different a different time. We can talk about that. Interesting. But um, uh, and then just general Moog stuff. You can never go wrong with with anything made by Moog, uh, yeah. pretty much. Those filters yeah. are pretty iconic. Yeah, they, there's nothing smoother. They, they sound like warm butter, you know? It's just, yeah, they're amazing. I always found it interesting how when we were growing up, or even before we were born in some cases, there were elements to music that were probably considered as annoying back at the time, such as the crackle of mm -hmm. a record, mm -hmm. right? Or scan mm -hmm. lines mm -hmm. on a television set. And now that we've done away with all those things, we want to produce products that put them back in. Like it's like coming <laughs> home. Essentially, it's like, yeah, oh yeah. man, the crackle of a record feels so good now. It's like yeah. but you hated it back in 1978. Yeah. You shut your face. I see a lot uh, of plugins that like try to model like the classic, um, like hardware desks and tape, tape noise and tape wobbles and all that stuff. Like, oh, we, mm -hmm. we we analyzed old hardware and we're, we're we're modeling it into this new software. And I'm thinking like, wow. People loved it for a reason, for sure. It's yeah. Just yeah, I I use that I use that stuff all the time. I mean, it's all about finding the the right grit. It's like sandpaper, you know. You something could be too pristine, and you need to kind of rough it up in the right in the right way to make it just kind of hit your ear in the in the right way. Um, I, I'm kind of fascinated. There's a whole genre of PlayStation One aesthetic remake games that you can see now. Yeah, and like back in like 1995. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, but you can see them. They're indie games that are coming out where everybody, where they're trying to model like Alone in the Dark or the first Resident Evil, like that kind of blocky, kind of low polygon look. Uh, yeah, the so low poly. it's exactly what you're saying. Yeah, I think it's people pretty, I just, hated it at the time. No, I've, I've been seeing uh -huh. it where it's like people like, oh, people were all into pixel art. People are into doing like the, the retro style art. Tank RPGs. controls. But like, like now people are getting into like low poly art and, and low poly like, mm -hmm. like, like uh, games and things like that. That's really fascinating to me. I just realized it's kind of yeah. funny. I was like back in 1995 and you're probably think you guys are probably thinking, yeah, just like games released them. Like, no, there's a game called back in 1995 <laughs> <laughs> that does exactly that. And that's why I was thinking about where you're like, oh yeah. Oh, I didn't. Oh, uh, oh, I didn't even know that there was a game called Back in Are you joking? Or is there actually a game I'm called? I'm dead out? serious. Oh, okay. I'm gonna. I think Radalika right put, <laughs> put it out. Uh, but it's called Back in 1995, and it's meant to kind of look yeah. like Alone in the Dark or like an early Silent Hill or something. Oh, yeah. As far as like the graphical mm -hmm. style. That's exactly goes. right. That's so, exactly right. And and that's what you know. So who knows what the. 2021 in 10 years, 20 years. Who knows what the ver the limitations are right now that people are going to be emulating, but I guarantee they'll find it and they'll find an aesthetic to, uh, to imitate for There's sure. something disturbing in me to me about the idea of thinking <laughs> someone's going to release a game like just like a PlayStation two game intentionally. Like I was around <laughs> when that was top of the line. Yeah. <laughs> You're like mm -hmm. retro, just <laughs> like a PS two game. Final Fantasy 10 looked pretty good. And I see a picture of it and I go, Oh no. <laughs> I, don't know, it's, it's, I think that one still holds up like that. Maybe sometimes I wonder about that too. Maybe it's my old man eyes, but like I will look at a game 
that say someone born 10 years after me will go, oh, that game is disgusting. And I'm like, no, it looked good then, and it looks good now. <laughs> now, with that mm-hmm. said, I can say, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with this game, but like Jumping Flash was one of the first PlayStation 1 games. And that was back when they were I only know first working with the idea because of, like, of poly- you. Yeah. It's so good. Like, to me, I think that game still looks fantastic despite the fact that it's very minimal because they were still getting used to the idea of greedy 3D polygon graphics. Um, mm-hmm. But with that same by that but that same that same token, there were a lot of later PS1 3D games that I think do not hold up right now. Hey, nobody gonna tell me different. Um, yeah. Well, it's about embracing. You know, I'm, I'm just looking at screenshots right now. I, I never played Jumping Flash, but I can tell that they embraced their limitations. They they knew what worked really well. They knew what looked good. And then they knew that like what was a weird imitation of a Hollywood movie and maybe what didn't completely pull it off. And they were like, we're not going to try that. We'll just we'll just lean into what what works really well. Uh, and that type of stuff is always going to hold up because it's not an imitation of something yes. that looks better. Yeah, those are the um, games you're going to go back and play. Like today, mm-hmm. you're still going to play those games because they're not trying to be anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You two both nailed that topic, that concept, because like in my mind, I'm just like, that one just looks gross, and that looks good. <laughs> but you actually put a, a nice bit of context around it that makes a total sense in that, like, mm-hmm. they're not trying to make it better. So, and I'm fine with that, like, because mm-hmm. it's weird, like, uh, so Silent Hill 1, which I guess back in 1995, was trying to, again, was trying to replicate that. That one is a hard, I have a hard time going back to that one because of what you guys are saying. That yeah. one was trying to be beyond what the technology was able to do at the time. And I was like, well, mm-hmm. it worked for the time, but now I could play, you know, Silent Hill, you know, you know Downpour or something. I, I went back and uh, tried to play Ico, the PS2 game Ico, and I had some trouble mm-hmm. with that. Like as far as like the visuals? The and visuals the- and the controls. I was like, I remember like thinking that game was just incredible. And that still is, in my mind, it's still amazing, right? But like, is, is that another fixed camera, fixed camera game? No, Am it's I more of a big exploration. Okay. It's the same guy who okay. did uh, Shadow of the Colossus. Okay. And, yeah. Um, what's that one? Last Guardian. Last Guardian. Last Guardian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I borrowed from my cousin, and I still haven't played it. Sitting behind me. Um, I'm sure pre-pandemic. It's just right now. <laughs> she's like, oh, Rob, come on. Um, <laughs> but no, it was just like it's it's it just became so clunky in my mind i remember thinking it was just controlled so smoothly and it was such an experience now mm-hmm. but but i will say adam brings up a good point though the the fixed camera angles mm. that is a definite example of leave it where it is don't bring that crap back if you can help it nah. and nah. i'm trying to make sure we're thinking about the same thing here in addition to fixed camera was it also what tank you referred controls. to i'm not tank <laughs> controls i'm actually okay with nostalgia there though i don't prefer them but nostalgia wise i'm okay but games like Resident Evil 1 where it wasn't per se fixed camera because I think a fixed camera is like you can walk in a 3D space but you just can't move the camera around but mm-hmm. pre-rendered background pre-rendered environments so you like walk up and when you go to the next screen your perspective's completely shifted yeah. and now you're walking up instead of walking towards the screen uh-huh. and there's a dog uh-huh. chasing you but you can't control it properly because you don't even know where you're at you're disoriented uh-huh I, I, I hear people talk about you know this is brilliant because then it, it's hard to actually hit the zombies and mm-hmm. you're constantly in a state of disorientation. But I don't know. For, for my money, like, uh, I, I think that that's being a little too generous. I concur. Uh, for, 
you know, I've read so yeah. many things about like, oh, they did that in Resident Evil because they wanted the cinematic experience. They wanted to control mm-hmm. where the angle of the camera was going to be. Mm-hmm. And the scene, this scene, it's behind you and it follows you close into like a Dutch angle and it goes sideways. And I'm thinking, okay, maybe I can see that. But, you know, no, they were just working with what they had. Yeah, because mm-hmm. like yeah. it worked then. As he who my kid, it didn't work then. We just were okay with it because the overall package was good, and no one had done anything like that before. Right, right, right. But now mm-hmm. that we've gone beyond that, and we can do better, make the disorientation come from something that doesn't make it feel like a, a development error or issue. Like maybe disorientation can come from like getting hit with a drug that flips the screen <laughs> or something, or maybe just being overwhelmed by enemies. Man, the last other Resident ways. Evil game I played was Code Veronica. On a Dreamcast. Oh, sweet, merciful! And I was like, "Wow, this looks so good on the Dreamcast." <laughs> I, I will say, I think, that, I think that one might still look okay. I don't, I can't fun, I can't uh, fault on it. Uh, but I will say, have you played any of the Resident Evil remakes compared to the old ones? Uh, I played the the recent remake. Uh, oh, actually, no, I played. I played also Resident Evil 1 remake, and then there was, I don't know, I, I, I definitely played Resident Evil 1 remake, uh, which did all the fixed camera angle stuff, and uh, if, if I'm remembering correctly, um, it was good, it was, it was fine, it was a little disappointing, because I think I remembered it being, I loved that game when, I, when it came out, but I think I remembered it being a little a little better than than yeah. what the experience was but i did think that they did a, a very good job remaking yeah, it i think what's, what's um, probably gonna hit now is games that maybe they're trying to recapture the feeling of playing those games but not the exact feeling of playing those old games where it's like mm-hmm. hey these are characters remember like um I, I haven't played it yet but people tell me streets of rage 4 is like that yeah streets of rage yeah, 4 kind of does its own thing but it makes you feel like oh that's right these games were fun but it's really doing its own thing Uh, so the Final Fantasy VII remake, uh, to me, and I know that's a little polarizing uh, because some people think they went too far making it feel modern, but to me that's a pitch-perfect example of, a, of remaking something where it feels new, but it also feels familiar, mm-hmm. it feels modern, but you also have enough of the existing stuff to, to, to light up those parts of your brain that, that want some nostalgia. Uh, I, I really thought that they nailed that one. I, I was really impressed. I mean, I know it's only part of it, but what has been released at this point, they, they nailed. I can um, agree with that, too. Like, I've seen the polarization that you're referring to quite heartily online, honestly. And uh, I... I can honestly understand the idea of like wishing it was like more of a turn-based system, but at the same time, I also feel like given the cinematic approach they were pushing for with how those action sequences would play out with yeah. the way they did it, having it be turn-based would have taken away a lot of that. Like they wouldn't have been able to actually put out that same display. And somebody might be listening to this and going, "Well, you know, Prino, they had that sort of hackneyed turn-based element. No, like, it's, it's not <laughs> really turn-based, and they know it." Um, I'm so what? I'm so happy they released a. I mean, because personally for me it wasn't it wasn't for me, and I don't want to have a pony in this race or however the saying goes because I didn't really play the first the Final Fantasy VII when it was released, mm-hmm. so I, I don't have that nostalgia bug on it. But the um, I'm so glad they released a demo so that I could try it out and be like, oh, is this going to be for me? And I'm like, oh wait, no, it's not. <laughs> and here's the thing that I will say about that though, because as someone that does have the nostalgia. My immediate thought, even when they were talking it up, is one, 
I don't like when remakes are locked into the past. Like, mm-hmm. the only thing a remake needs to carry over is the actual narrative. And honestly, mm-hmm. you can tweak that too if you want. Like, there's like mm-hmm. this whole rumor that they're going to go on a separate, like a separate arc for the narrative, but then they had the interview and goes, nope, we're not changing anything after this. Yeah. So we'll see mm-hmm. what actually ends up being true in the long run. But um, I feel like the only thing you need to really carry over is just the main narrative beats. Beyond that, go bonkers. Do whatever you want because the end of the day, the picture-perfect game that they're remaking is still there. And if you go into this one and go, you know, this wasn't really for me. I'm not a big fan of FF7 Remake. Well, you can go back and play the old one because it's still mm-hmm. there and it's still good. So mm-hmm. let the people who like the remake enjoy it. Feel free to yeah. trash it. Don't get me wrong. That's your prerogative. But just know your baby still exists and it can be played whenever you want. So... I- I agree completely. I, I don't think I think nostalgia is great, and I think we should honor the past. But I also don't think it should be like a an anchor holding us down. And and if if a if new ideas, if exciting stuff comes through this process, like creators, artists should be able to should be encouraged to explore that stuff. And you know, inevitably, people are going to grumble and they're going to say, "Oh, they shouldn't have changed this. I really missed this thing. Whatever." But so what? You know, those those people are going to say that regardless of any decision you make. So, so make the best decisions you can and make the most fun experience possible. And I don't think it'll work out, I think. Most Wholeheartedly agree. Uh, and I do say that as a yeah. person that has made that exact statement about <laughs> games that have been remade. I still agree with it. It's just people are going to be upset. Mm-hmm. So just do what feels right for you. Because I feel like as a creator, I'd feel happier knowing that I produced a product that I wanted and some people just happen to not like it mm-hmm. versus producing a product that I wasn't all in on because I wanted to cater to an audience. And then heaven mm-hmm. forbid, they still don't like your product. <laughs> You're like, well, if I could have, maybe they would have liked my real thing. I don't even know anymore. Yeah. Well, that's what I love about like the mm-hmm. remakes and the covers of, the, of the, some of the video game music that we listen to on our show. It's like, they're they're kind of reimagining a lot of the stuff. They're re- just not most of it's like like rearrangements, but they're reimagining the whole album of, of those things. Um, after working on Metroid, is there like are there is there another series that you would think like if I had the time or maybe something like like kind of a like passion project, another game series you'd want to get into? So uh, Chrono Trigger is probably the next one that I would mm. consider doing, um, just because I I love that music and and just like in Metroid, it's like. I want it's an excuse for me to study and to learn from what the composers were doing and so I I want to do that. I'm looking forward to doing that. Um but I will say in playing Super Metroid uh I there's so many areas that I missed and I forgot and I was like, "Oh, I should have done this one." Oh, really? <laughs> there, there are many many songs so maybe one of these days I'll add some more tracks to this one. Oh, that'd I don't be know, fun. I have a part, part 2 or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah I, maybe something. But Chrono Trigger might be the one that I would that I'm going to do next. I don't know. I'm not sure. But figuring it out. Not a yeah. dud tracking that entire massive OST. But so as far as Chrono Trigger goes, I'm going to be that nerd. I'm going to ask you, who's, who's your favorite character in the in the party? Is it Chrono or is it Trigger? <laughs> I don't remember because it's been a long time since i've played the game i totally understand Uh, we're talking 90s uh, here so yeah um 
What what are they? I mean, well, Car- remember there's the Robo. I, I can name the, them all off. Robo. There's Froggy. Yeah. There's, there's Robo. There's Frog. Lucha. Luca. Um, I see the names. I see. I think about it, if I name the names, they might come to you. So you have Chrono, main character. Marley, yeah. who's like the princess slash you know female lead. You had Luca, main character's best friend, the science character. Uh, mm-hmm. Robo. He's the Robo. Um, Frog, Kirsten Knight, who's actually a <clears throat> frog, and uh, Ayla. It was the cave no, girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So oh, and uh, Magus. I, if I forgot so, him, someone would have shot me. So it's definitely Frog. Uh, frog. Frog. Frog was my favorite. Love frog. One. Uh, yeah, I, I remember that very well. And uh, uh, it's uh, gosh, what a game. Uh, uh, it's it's been a while, but yeah, I'm I'm always attracted to. Uh, very ra- rarely will be the main person. It's yeah. usually. Uh, you know something frog I, I yeah, remember sure. seeing uh, the frog run around on screen but then you go to like that pause menu and it shows you kind of the full portraits done by I forget the artist think of the Dragon Ball artist Akira Toriyama Toriyama yeah and I'm like mm-hmm. oh he looks great like that frog is awesome that is one gruff frog yeah yeah I love it oh I love it it's very it's almost Miyazaki in a way for a know, second very, I thought he was a toad <laughs> yeah but like yeah, it's the, everything about that game is just priceless and like I, I admit I have I always joke about this. Her like my mem- all my memory, all my brain cells have got kind of shifted over to just remembering iconic game moments when I should be remembering things like you know chemical <laughs> equations and I don't know math formulas for work or something. But it's like nope, no time for that now. Chrono's starting. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that that game I have like such dopey memories of that. Like most notably, like running late for school on the first day of school because Chrono Trigger had come out slightly before the first day of school. Oh. And uh, I got it on the release date by saving up my pennies and lawn mowing and all that crap. So I was running late for school because I was in the future world and I was like, no, no, I just got to the future. I got to see what's happening next. I, I can't leave yet. And then I got to the giant <laughs> robot boss at the end of the first part of the future zone. I was like, well, I just I'll pause this and then come home and finish it. But you can save it. I'm going to pause it. Come did you have to do pause it for the Yes, I did. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I did. No shame in my game. I remember, can handle you gotta do I remember that. kids talking about pausing Mario 3 on the NES then they would, so they could finish it in one day or one night. Such a lengthy yeah. game, though. I'm like, wow. is your NES going to like, catch fire? Yeah. Is it going to get overheat? <laughs> yeah. I remember pausing. Which one? You, you, oh, you were one of the Mario oh, 3 oh. pausers? Were you a pauser? Oh no 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 no! I, I did do that for 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 SNES for uh, Super Mario. I did do I definitely did that. Even though there's save points all the time, but it was like I, I'm I'm gonna I'm coming right back. You know that was always the oh I'll, yeah. I'll come right back. It's funny so, nowadays uh, like there's timers then, in games. Uh, you know mm-hmm. and they'll like they'll time you and I go I'll be playing Persona, mm-hmm. and then I'll be like oh let, someone's at the door. I walk my dog and I come back. I'm like oh, okay there's three more hours on the game I actually didn't play. Thought <laughs> <laughs> it was you for a loop, <laughs> but like. I can mm-hmm. now I'm picturing doing that for Mario World too, because like you were saying, like there was game. there were some secrets yeah. areas in that game where, honestly, you were doing a lot of retries just to pull them off. to get wistful for that whole scenario that whole feeling of like just, I gotta get through it all in one sitting 
as an adult, good luck pulling that crap off now, even more so than back in the day. But I was, oh, yeah. I played quite a few games where save points weren't happening, and you got to get it all through. And Mario 3 was probably the crux of, probably one of the bigger ones for that. Mm. Kid Chameleon. Kid Chameleon was another one. Uh, are you familiar mm. with Kid Chameleon by chance? Yeah. Yeah, I uh, yeah I played it when I was a kid, but I haven't really thought about it since then. <laughs> this is um, this is one of those things that takes up Pernell's brain. This is he... this is a Pernell brain thing. Trust me. Uh-huh. If I and most of the time, yeah. if I name a game and Rob can vouch for it, as a as a, <laughs> Pernell's like, I good. suddenly can't remember how to tie my shoe, but kid chameleon. But I like that helmet. <laughs> but that maniac's helmet. Oh baby. Um. But yeah, like uh-huh. that's just generally how I tend to be, and also. I have a lot of weird life milestones that I bizarrely tie to games. Um, like Kick a Million is one of those, but it's just that one was so lengthy with no save points, yeah. no password system, and oh jeez, those were rough. Yes, yeah, they yeah, were back in the Genesis days. Although yeah, I think I, I think we rented it. I think we rented it from Blockbuster, so I had, uh, you know, three three days, three yeah. one weekend. Oh, cripes! It, That's uh, even harder. Extensively, <laughs> you rent like yeah, yeah you rent yeah. Final Fantasy VI, and you gotta like or three or whatever it was called, mm-hmm. and you gotta like return it, and then hope you get the same game back with the save file on it. <laughs> or you can look at someone <laughs> yeah, else's save exactly. file and see what they were doing. I'm, I'm almost positive there was at least two cases growing up where I spent enough on the rental to justify having just bought the cart outright. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we, we did yeah. that. We did that with Tiny Tunes, the NES. Game? Yeah, I yeah. love that game so much. And eventually, we just bought it. That was so, a good one. Yeah, I just played that over and over. It wasn't hard. It was just like it was just a fun, silly platformer. And I love, I love. That was the, a good one. Love the Tiny Tunes characters. Yeah. Favorite Tiny Tune. Favorite Tiny Tune. You know, I'm gonna mm. ask because there's so many. <laughs> it's okay. You can just say Buster. I won't judge either of you for it's saying a, Buster. Uh, Plucky. Plucky Duck. Plucky is good. Plucky, Plucky, Duck. Plucky is good. I mean, t- there was a tiny Taz, right? I think I remember Taz yeah, being. What was his name? Yeah, he was pretty. Di- his name was good. Dizzy. Dizzy. Uh huh. Tiny Taz was yeah. Dizzy, and unlike his dad, he could actually, or unlike the older one, he could actually talk. What was the What was the young Porky? <laughs> Hampton. Hampton. So that's a great name. Hampton. That's like right. everyone else has got like yeah. a Plucky Dizzy. Hampton, Hampton J Pig though he had in the middle initial. I mean, I know like they're playing on the word ham, but like it's just funny. Like it's just a really funny name. I think I don't know why it is for me, but deep down he was only in like two episodes. But my favorite one may well be like you know foul mouth. Foul mouth. That's right. There was one that just cursed all the time. And he, they had some weird episodes. He was. I'm almost positive he was meant to be like a younger Falkhorn Leghorn because I don't remember there being any other character that yeah. could have been a young Falkhorn Leghorn. But Falmo's oh, entire yeah. gimmick was that he couldn't stop swearing. They were trying something. I, yeah, I just looked him up, and like my brain just like all these <laughs> memories just just <laughs> lit that. up. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I remember Falmouth for sure. Uh, uh, that was a good one. It was just so nice. Foul it was mouth. like my goal is to help Falmouth stop swearing, and he just keeps <laughs> trying. And of course, being a cartoon, they would animate it in a way where he would start swearing, and like things would melt. Because, like, you know, the words he was saying were just so obscene that people's ears couldn't handle or that device just couldn't handle the heat coming out of his... He was edgy, man. He was the edgiest duck. Um, <laughs> but if he is, like, I love... I just look back on Titus as a show and all the characterizations. Like, that thing, they did a lot of cool things with that. They were kind of, At the time, they were like, we're trying to be 90s hip. Yeah. But in the yeah, end, yeah, they yeah. just... 
they pulled a lot of awesome cards out, and then they were '90s hit by playing, you know, videos of like they might be giants. But yeah, I was thinking like they did some weird things. They had, like they had like a music video episode. They had they had like a PSA episode where they got all drunk and like crashed a car or something. Yeah, that was I remember that probably one of the darkest episodes yeah. of the show. Like they died yeah, at the, the end. The foul mouth episode. Yeah, that's right. They did die. Some weird stuff, man. Some weird stuff they got away with. Got away with. Just, and that's why Titus is one of the no, we best. Were, we were into it. But that's what makes you mm-hmm. sad because you look at back now, everyone's like, Animaniac did some wild things. Like, nobody ever talks about Tiny Toons. That was mm-hmm. the stuff. Get it's back true. on the Tiny Toons track. That messed me up as a child. <laughs> that show messed me up. Oh, I miss it. Well, Adam, thank you for spending some time with us today. Sure. Thank you, you so much for having me. I, I'm this realizing is, now, really after great. talking to you for about an hour, that we never introduced you on uh. the show, but. <laughs> That's what's part of the cool part, though. We can just just record something early on, because, and we'll have to outright say, we have to do this intro, because the dialogue was so organic that we never even got along the introductions. (laughs) But um, I want to say... This this has been really great. Good. Uh, You you are welcome back, like, when when some of your projects come to fruition, and they will, um, you know, hit Mm -hmm. us up, let us know, and we can um, let our listeners know about these games. And just know that when you do come back, I'm going to say, time to take an NDA off the shelf. What we got? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would love to, and I'm going to keep an eye. If you do another, uh, you're doing 90s month or something like that. If you do another month that I feel like I could uh, contribute for, I will oh, definitely uh, let you know. I'd for really, sure. really like that. Um, um, well, we're gonna we're cool. gonna have links to all of your stuff on our on our website and our YouTube pages, everything, so they can they can find your your band camp and they can listen to your past albums and your most recent um, uh, Metroid Super Metroid album, which is called Ser. Mm-hmm. What's it called again? Series station, series, or series or series. I don't know series how you say it. Yeah, <laughs> I almost call it Silent yeah. Station. But Silent is your new audio studio. Uh, I really wish you the yep. the best of luck with that. Um, thank you very much. I'm Appreciate really excited it. to hear what's going to come out of that. So, I'm yeah. Ready. Well, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I, I love your show, and um, I'm excited to hear more uh, every week. Uh, you're you're doing really great work. Oh, thank you. So, thank you very so thank much. Thank you so much. And we're going to yeah. keep doing it, and hopefully we have a, a, a hefty backlog to keep you entertained for a good yeah. while, nonetheless. Get ready for That's, the wedding episode when Pernell and I finally get married. Finally! Wow. <laughs> we got to find the tracks, though. <laughs> we're common law right now. <laughs> common law I, podcast. I, I can't. All right, well, thank you, and good night. All right. Thank you. Catch Bye. you later. All right, thanks for joining us on episode 29-3 of Rhythm and Pixels. This is our interview with composer Adam Flinkston, who is super cool, super cool, super nice. Really enjoyed having him on the show. Fantastic temperament, I got to say, too. Like, And I've got to say... <laughs> yeah, he didn't He didn't curse us out once. That is true. That yeah, is I, was, true. I was waiting for him to lose his, lose his marbles. Like, Jesus, Purnell, <laughs> stop asking me about Tiny Toons, you bum. <laughs> Look, I, I want to say this one more time. Resident Evil is okay. <laughs> yeah. But uh, he was he was very genuine, and it was fun having him no, on absolutely. and chatting with him. And uh, and we weren't being facetious, by the way. We really do hope he comes back on the show at some point. And yeah, like yeah. A tra- even do like a traditional episode with him. I feel like I always say that to our guests, but I really mean it. Like, you're all welcome back. 
You are all welcome back. <laughs> Except for that one guy, the one that, you know, wasn't welcome back. Alex Messenger? No, no, not nonsense. Honestly, I'm not going to lie. I want him <laughs> to come back on. I was just joking about it. I, I know you were, yeah, but yeah. I'm saying, but I genuinely double down, do want him to come back on because the last time he was on the show, a VGM journey was just an apple in his eye. That's right. He and just, now he's on like level 92 or something. Yeah, he was just thinking about doing a show. Now he's doing a show. Doing a show. Long-standing show, no less. Yeah. All right, Alex Messenger, you know, the championship belt is, is hanging there above my studio, and um, we're calling you out. If you want to be, if you want to go. It's not a battle, it's a hangout. <laughs> um, I think you're wrong, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, fine. I guess we can, well. Guests come into the Rhythm and Pixels ring, and they battle it out for supremacy. Well, just know that if he brings in hockey, <laughs> we're screwed, so just, just noting that. Oh, fact. man. Well, whoever brings the most arpeggios, Pernell is going to win. <laughs> well, I'm wearing time for a drink. Oh, jeez. Well, if you want to get in contact with us, if you want to say hello, if you have a topic suggestion or even a track suggestion, the best thing you can do is email both of us at our email address. Rhythmandpixels at hotmail.com. For a full track listing of this episode and access to all of our episodes, because our podcast feeds only do 150, and we've got like 280-something episodes now. It's so. getting up there. So if you want to, get, if you want to check out um, Rhythm and Pixels Babies, uh, check out the website. Rhythm and Pixels Babies. No, Rhythm and Pixels. www.rhythmandpixels.com. <laughs> I got all tangent because you got me thinking about Rhythm and Pixels Babies, the thinking, show was, where we use our imaginations to rock out. I, was, yeah, I love that. I was trying to think of like a, a Tiny Tunes versions of us, like Tiny, Tiny Pick, Tiny Rhythm, Tiny Pick. That would be ridiculous. Too, but so, the, the thing is, it would have to be all the, all the music shows, all the um, VGM podcasts. VGM babies. VGM and it would just babies. be like, you know, oh. tiny Ed Wilson. No, no, and tiny no, no. Ed, the messenger. Ed Wilson's still everyone's dad. <laughs> well, he would just be the older baby. <laughs> He'd be the older He'd baby. be like the Angelica. Oh, like um, Rugrats. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he would still be, still be the knowledgeable older one. He would just be, you know, <laughs> three when we're all one. <laughs> yeah, which just makes him ancient. Because, <laughs> you know, that's how it is. You dumb VGMers don't know anything. <laughs> um, yeah, if you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. It's Rhythm and Pixels, all one word. Um, and check out our Discord server, which is um, located on the top little menu bar of our website. You can go there. There's a lot of dialogue happening, a lot of jokes happening. Um, every, every, once a month or every other month, there's a special channel that, that appears in, in the Discord, Ronald doesn't even know about it. It's I called clearly the, don't. It's called the Twenty Four Hour Jiffathon. It, it's like a it's like a release valve for for like just people posting dumb gifs or peanut butter. Yeah, or gifs. I don't know, however you want to say it. But um, we can we can argue. <laughs> Choosy mobs choose. If you want gifts? to, we can argue about that on Discord. So check us out there. Um, go to youtubecom pixels. We have a twenty four seven eight bit and sixteen bit radio station playing nothing but. Deep cuts and classic no, no, well, well, picks. Oh, I was say, I was say, and classic. I was say, it's not all deep. Cuts. No, it's not all deep. No, There's a lot of them. I mean, like you, you turn it on, and you're like, oh, I don't remember this song. It's like maybe you don't know the game Brain Lord for the Super Nintendo. Maybe you just aren't that cool. But then the Millennium Fair pops up from Chrono yeah, Trigger. Yeah. Someone's like, I thought this was only deep cuts. Every once in a while, I'll turn it on and I'll hear like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles track, and I'm like, this is hardly a flesh wound. What is good. this? Um, I have been having some issues with um with the computer. Um, the memory's got an issue. I think I have to replace something on it. I changed the computer to make it more um, stable. 
and it's not. Is it one of those things where we could remedy it by building one of those little tiny computers for like 10 bucks? Probably, oh, 10 bucks. Well, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but <laughs> like a cheap, tiny computer has sole purpose to just stream that. Yeah, possibly. It needs it needs something uh, stronger like RAM-wise for, for um, OBS to, to run like every day for forever. Okay. Um, but so hopefully, and also I'm using... If you want to know, I'm using, um, um, I, I wrote software to do the backgrounds so that I can have special things pop in and out. Mm. And I had a memory leak in it and that was a problem before. So duct tape. every time it was running, it was like, it was looping and then using up more memory. And then it was just like, suddenly the whole computer was like out of memory and was crashing. <laughs> so I think I corrected that um, yesterday. Oh, okay. So I'm going to check it out actually at the end of the day. Um, so check that out, YouTube. <laughs> yeah, I think it's funny. I first thought, I was like, wait a minute. I, I guess I did program back in the day because, like, I was like, wait, I remember what memory leaks yeah, are. Yeah, yeah, it's a thing, especially in video games because it's a constant loop, right? That's a game's in a loop state. Um, if you want to support the show, you can go to Patreon.com/slash Rhythm and Pixels. On there, you get access to a a weekly uh, prequel episode of me and Pernell chatting. Uh, a week, uh, sorry, a monthly live episode it's a live streamed episode that it gets released normally but you can hang out with us while we're recording live there's like lots of we joke around with you guys in between songs there's lots of visual gags and all sorts of stuff to do that that's a lot of fun i think back on those back in the day i now i really wish i could do another like play through the game before the episode's over but now it's just so hard oh i know with so much dialogue and so much talking going on which yeah, is good yeah, yeah. don't get me wrong i love that yeah me too um, so that's a lot of fun. That that that's at every level of our Patreon. At the higher levels, um, we like we get um, little bonuses on our Discord and bonuses on our radio station. But at the highest levels is where we like to thank you at the end of every show. Uh, we like to thank Frankly Zappa, Mike Myers, Andreas Mielberg, Brian Pitt, Cameron Worma, Carlos Kung Fu Carlito from the Heroes Three podcast, Chris Weisner, aka Musashi Twenty One Nine. I'm gonna say that differently every time. Uh, Christ- Christopher Shenstrom, Davy Cakes, David Taylor, Harold Howard, Wicked Sephiroth, Justin Schneider from XVGM Radio, Michael Bridgewater from the Forever Sound Version Video Game Music Podcast, Reinhardt Zelkova, Sleepy's More, Steve Miller, Taco, The Autistic Gamer 89, Ed Wilson from the VG Embassy. What's up? How you doing? Good to see you in the Patreon list. All f- person. Also, um, a new Patreon member. Awesome, Jit. Awesome, dude. Um, and thank you for the letter, by the way. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Um, I, I, I keep meaning to, 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 to mention it at the beginning of the show. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's harder sometimes. It's, yeah, we, yeah. We, get, we know how it is. We get into our flows like... Yeah, we kind of got to get into like a little bit of a routine here. But um, but yeah, thank you. It means, it, it's really awesome. Like any, any email people send to us, we might not always respond right away, but we definitely read everything. Oh, yeah. Um, which is really fantastic. I sent a, um, a text message to... The Legacy Music Hour. I tell you that. No, you didn't they tell have, me. They, How'd it go? I don't know. They have. They don't respond. I, I've never sent one before. Two eight one Sonic ninety one. That's the number. <laughs> um, they, they say at the end of every episode. I don't know if they answer it or look at it. But I sent a text. I said the Game Boy Color's got to be on the show. Got to let it breathe. Oh, that's why they came. It's like Game Boy Color not on our show. Yeah, but they won't do it. But I want it. I want. It. I, I think I mentioned that already. But anyway, um, thanks everybody for listening to the show. Um, next week we continue the summer of 16-bit with the funny part. I just had a 16-bit. I don't know. I just had a food. thought actually as a joke. You were talking about how the Legacy Music Hour needs to get Game Boy Color on the show. 
Sounds like the next episode topic should be Legacy Music Hour. You need to put some Game Boy Color on your show. And then the episode will just be tracks from Game Boy Color because apparently if they're 16-bit enough for their show, no. that means they should be 16-bit no, enough for the 16-bit no. of summer. It's, um... Can, can you do this? <laughs> yeah. I, I, we should, I would love to do a Game Boy Color focus because the, the game, the, the music... Do Magi Nation. On that, that, that generation of, of Game Boy games is really cool. Oh, yeah. I just use it as an excuse to play Bonnet Commando on there. You know, oh, yeah. So it balances yeah. out. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll be doing something special next week. And thank you for listening. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Purnell. See you next week. And remember, just like our guest mentioned earlier in the episode, you know, people have problems come along. Communities face crises. Uh individuals face crises and usually sometimes those crises can result in what feels like the end of everything everything has to shut down your plans kind of kind of go awry you're just left in a state of disarray but the end doesn't always have to mean the end sometimes the end can mean the beginning of something newer and better and more special and more engaging but what's important to see that and realize and acknowledge that is you have to be able to take the you know the end and the pieces that fell outside of that and realize I can build something new. I just got to have the wherewithal to make that move and go forward and not let it beat me down. You know, Adam did it. Everyone's trying trying to do it. Yeah, you can do it too. It's just all about perspective and resources element, but. <laughs> perspective, but perspective. I think. Pers- uh, I think. I think a lot of people have, have gotten some perspective in the last couple of years. Oh yeah. yeah.